Hi, welcome to Fan Center. Just a new podcast, 15 minutes to start your day, all about sports. We're going to recap the last week of sports. We're going to start with the World Cup. Each team's now had two games, and we're starting to see how the knockout round will take shape. So far, we have six teams that have qualified for knockout round. Russia, Uruguay. Uh, we have France and Croatia, as well as England and Belgium. All six of those teams are teams we pretty much expected to be there. Teams that are solid each World Cup, play hard, veterans, no real surprises there. We've also seen a couple teams be knocked out already. Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Morocco, Peru, Costa Rica, Tunisia, Panama, and Poland all have been eliminated from contention on going to knockout round. Um, a couple surprises there. I think Egypt was a team most people thought Egypt with Mo Salah would be able to go on and make it to the knockout round. As well as I know some people thought teams like Peru or Poland also with their respective groups that they were in would be able to make some noise. So now we've got 18 teams trying to qualify for those last 10 spots to go on to knockout round. Um, I've got my 10 teams. I want to tell you why I think those teams will make it. First off, I want to start with Spain and Portugal. Now, I think it was great that those two played in the very first game for their group. I think it makes the group a little bit more exciting, especially since Iran beat Morocco. And so now Spain and Portugal both have four points, and Iran has three. So it's close, but Spain and Portugal are the best teams in that group. I don't see Morocco or... Iran pulling off an upset or even tying. I think both of those teams will walk away with a win and move on to knockout round. Next, I'm going to go with Australia. Denmark has the lead. They have four points, and Australia has one. But from what I've seen and what I thought from the beginning is that Australia had a tougher start but an easier end to group play. Um, They have to win. They can't tie. And if Denmark goes ahead and gets a win, then then they won't make it. But I still believe in the team I picked from the beginning. I think Australia wins it and goes on to the next round. Argentina I have making it. Lionel Messi has not been very solid so far. He has... I mean, he really hasn't been there much of the tournament, especially in the last game. You saw a lot of times he just was taken out of play. He was heavily guarded, wasn't able to get the ball where he wanted to. I think he's going to answer back. Argentina's going to realize that this is it. Give it their all and have a very great last game in group play and qualify and make it on to knockout round. Next, I have Brazil. Uh, Brazil was a little shocked in game one. Didn't walk away with the win like most of us thought, but they still are the number one team in that group. And they're right up there with Switzerland. I think both of those teams are, again, best teams in their group. I see them moving on and progressing going to knockout round a team that surprised us all is mexico i i love this that mexico has been able to kind of be this cinderella story if you will that they've been able to keep going they've got six points already i think one more point or they need some losses or ties and they're on a knockout round along in that group i think germany will will qualify uh, they won it four years ago i think they've got a lot of core group I think they, they'll keep going and making it to a knockout round. Uh, the last two teams I have qualifying are Japan and Colombia. 
Um, that's probably one of the toughest ones I think I had to, to pick for those bottom 10, but Japan and Colombia are solid soccer teams. They play well. They play hard. All their games have been close. Um, they played each other in the first game. So I think, you know, Japan won that. I think it's just part of how it goes that it's going to be close if the best teams play each other in the first game. Another major event that happened this week was the NBA draft. Now, I love the NBA draft. I think it's a, any draft is a great time if you're a fan. brings a lot of hope, a lot of speculation, lots of fun to talk about the new prospects coming in, what they're going to be able to contribute. Um, but I think there were some real winners in this draft because of moves that were made. First one I want to talk about is the Phoenix Suns. Now, Phoenix has never had a number one pick before, and I think it was fantastic that they actually used the pick. They didn't try to trade it, didn't try to get more picks for that one pick. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, I don't think he has the highest ceiling of any player in the draft, but I think he is a franchise center with the potential to become an all-star I think pairing him with Devin Booker is a dangerous combo in a couple of years. I think it's just it was a safe pick. It was a solid pick. He's NBA ready. Great job by the Phoenix Suns. Go ahead and do, getting DeAndre Ayton as well as making some trades and picking pieces that'll help complement Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and what they've already got with Josh Jackson. I think the Suns one of the best drafts they've they've had. Another team that I thought did really well was. The Dallas Mavericks. Um, I don't know if I'm as high on the Luka Doncic uh, bandwagon as most people are. I think that he's going to be a good player. I think he's got a lot of valuable tools and assets that can come and contribute from day one. I don't know if I see him taking over the NBA like some people do. But I think if there was a team that could help him the best, it would be the Dallas Mavericks. A couple reasons why. You've got a point guard in Dennis Smith Jr. His athleticism draws a lot of attention, his ability to drive and score around the rim. That'll leave a lot of opportunities for him to kick it out to him and um, have open threes or make a play for himself. I think Rick Carlisle is a good coach, understands sets and how to get players' shots and find them opportunities to score. And above all, I think having Dirk Nowitzki is the best opportunity for him. You know, a European player learning from a European player on how to make the transition to the league, how, it under, how to work it, how to understand it, how to um, become a superstar, have that mentality. So I think if there was a place that will best help him grow, I would say that Dallas is probably the best opportunity. And they got it for a relatively low, low price. They traded Trey Young for him with a protected first round. So as long as it's not in the top five, Atlanta will get it. But... If the pick does end up in the top five, the Mavs will get that pick back. Two other teams that I think did really well in the draft were the Magic, getting Mo Bamba. I think he's got a huge ceiling. I think he's got a lot of potential. The Magic aren't going anywhere anytime soon. They've got time to let a guy like Mo Bamba figure out the NBA, how it works, where he fits. And worst case scenario, he's just an average NBA center, and the Magic are... In the same boat. Best case scenario, he's unguardable. He takes over the league. He can guard the rim. You know, he can, he's a do-it-all center. The last team that I think did a really good job during the draft was the Utah Jazz. They picked Grayson Allen in the first round. And here's why I think that that was a great pick. 
Um, Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder knows how to get guys in the system, play defense and offense, be a team player. At Duke, that's what Grayson Allen was. He was a team player, right? Tried to play both ends of the floor. He's a better offensive player, probably. Um, he's athletic. I think he can play in the NBA. You know, he's more of a finished project than a project itself. Um, I think that he'll fit in well. He won't be expected to lead the team. You know, he will be probably a backup to Donovan Mitchell, um, kind of that guard off wing um, position. But I just think they're a playoff team that wants to keep improving from where they did last year. They got a guy who will be able to come in and contribute, knows what's going to be expected of him, doesn't have this big ego of being the superstar. Um, he's got that experience of four years in college. I just think he's got a lot that he can contribute. I don't think he's going to be first-team All-NBA, but I think you'll see a lot of times where he's going to be really trusted to come in and give good minutes. Now, there were some teams, though, that I think we'll have to wait a while before we really see if they were a winner of the draft or not. The first one, starting with Atlanta and Trey Young. Um, they drafted Luka, traded for the guy they really wanted in Trey, but they got that extra pick. We'll have to see if that pans out. We'll also have to see if Trey Young is the guy we saw at the beginning of the college basketball season or the end. Uh, there's definitely a difference in shooting percentage, assists, all that kind of stuff. But... Trey Young was also, at the end of the year, the best offensive player in, in college basketball because he was that good at the beginning. So I think if they're able to get that guy, get him in a system that works, I think we'll be able to see the Trey Young superstar that Atlanta is hoping for. Um, but small frame, not as athletic. I, it will take some time, I think, before we're really able to say if that was a winner in the draft or not. Another one is Colin Sexton going to Cleveland. Uh, we heard him call out LeBron saying, let's go to the finals. I think that was a great choice by Cleveland to get a point guard, someone that, you know, if LeBron does choose to stay, a guy that can help offensively, a good athlete, a good athlete is able to um, have that mindset of, I want to win, I want to work hard. You know, we led Alabama to the NCAA tournament. I think there's a lot of good things there. I also, I just unknown, you know, if LeBron James leaves, what happens with Kevin Love, the rest of the roster, will he get a lot of minutes? They've got point guards already and Jordan Clarkston and George Hill, you know, if they move or stay. So I think it'll take some time. We'll also have to see what just happens with LeBron. Kevin Knox. <laughs> New York Knicks fans, leave Kevin Knox alone, please. He didn't choose to be drafted when he was. The Knicks organization, yeah. You booed when they took Porzingis, and he was great. You booed when he took Kevin Knox. We don't know what's going to happen. He'll probably be a decent NBA player. He probably won't turn the league upside down. I know Michael Porter Jr. was who you were wanting to go with, but you took Kevin Knox, right? We don't know why, and the Knicks chose him. I know Michael Porter Jr. had a lot of back issues. We'll get to him in a minute. Um... But I think Kevin Knox is a solid pick. I just think we'll have to see how he responds, knowing that the fans didn't exactly want him there, right? We'll have to see what kind of player he is and how he reacts. Like I said, though, Michael Porter Jr., Denver Nuggets, a spot they really need at the small forward position. Michael Porter Jr. will be a solid uh, guy.
guy there for him as long as his back can can be healthy. Um, I was talking to a guy about it while the draft was going on, and he made a really good point. He said, how many guys do we know in the NBA who had back problems but are now you know, healthy and fine? It is a scary thing, you know, a lower back problem, having surgery on it. How does he, re- how does he rehab? I think that he'll probably be able to come back after he, you know, sits for half a season, a full season, be able to come in and do some nice things. It's just, it's really scary if he's going to be able to play well or not. Uh, there's a lot of players who we've seen have great careers early on. You know, Derek Rose, Brandon Roy, guys who had promising careers who, for injuries, weren't able to be the people that we hoped they would be for the rest, you know. It's sad that that could have happened to him while he was in college, but here's to hoping that he's a solid all-star, gets the career that we all think he was going to get before the injury. Um, But before we really see if that was a winner or a loser um, from the draft, I think we'll just have to to give it some time. Another one is, is Anthony Simons. The reason I put him on this list is he didn't go to college. He did a, a year at IMG Academy, played basketball, but then just decided to go to the NBA after that. So he really doesn't have much experience compared to everybody else. Um, I think guys like him, Terrence Ferguson, um, guys like Brandon Jennings, people who go and play overseas or try to take an alternative route, it's always interesting to see how they fare against um, the NBA, right? Guys who could have gone to college, took that, had that route as an option, but then decided to go a different way. We are running out of time, so really quickly, we're just going to give you an update on a couple other sports. Uh, Bubba Watson won the Travelers Championship, shooting 17 under. Next closest to him was a 14 under, so won it very comfortably there. And in baseball, we are starting to see some separation between the legit contenders and teams that are just trying to figure out who the next guys are to carry the franchise. In the American League, we've got New York and Boston um, in a tight race. Uh, The Central, we have the Cleveland Indians are leading that very comfortably. And then over in the West, you've got Houston, but Seattle is fairly close. Um, Those are the five teams in the playoff race right now for the American League. The National League's a little bit closer. Uh, Pretty much everyone is still in the race. But the five teams you have leading the playoff chase right now, you've got Atlanta and Philadelphia, you've got Chicago and Milwaukee, and you have Arizona. Those are the teams right now that if it ended today would be in the playoffs. Hey everybody, Carter Smith here with this Saturday afternoon edition of Fan Center. We're going to go over everything NBA talk on this episode. Trade deadlines, Anthony Davis, winners and losers, how things are shaping up in the East and in the West. We're going to catch it all right here. So to get things started, we're going to go over the Eastern Conference, how the trade deadline will probably affect the rest of the season. We're going to start with the Eastern Conference leaders in the Milwaukee Bucks, adding Nikola Mirotic, 
the sharpshooter, plays the four most of the time while he's on the court. He's been a huge help to the Pelicans this year, especially with all the Anthony Davis drama. Um, Mike Budenholzer, the coach of the of the Bucks, has done a really good job of putting sharpshooters around Giannis. One to help support him, right? Uh, his, his lack of um, shooting, but then also he's been able to clear out the floor and create space for Giannis to have one-on-one situations with his height and length and ability. Uh, it's been a, a deadly combo, especially, I mean, they're outscoring opponents by 10 points on average per game. Um, so adding another shooter to that lineup, especially a really good shooter, uh, and Miritich and experience as well, adds a whole nother dimension to this team, especially where he'll probably be coming off the bench. Um, just makes him so much deeper. On the flip side, the Toronto Raptors added someone who, not sure if he'll be on the bench or coming off, but still helps their depth. Uh, probably the biggest name traded this this trade deadline was Mark Gasol going from Memphis to the Raptors. If you know anything about the Raptors, they already have a four or five combo in Pascal Siakam and Serge Ibaka, who uh, have been doing great this year, especially with their ability to shoot and spread the floor as well. Uh, Marcus is no different. He's a shooter. Uh, he shoots well. He's a five. He's big. Uh, defensive player of the year. Um, again, another candidate this year for de- defensive player of the year. Um, I'm not sure if Gasol will come off the bench or if he's going to start and they'll move Siakam or Ibaka to the bench. Um, it'll probably be something that Nick Nurse, head coach of the Raptors, will have to go over. Um, Marcus has had some issues with coaches in the past. That's the only real concern I have with the Raptors going forward is is how Mark Gasol fits in with them, and also because they trade they were thinking of trading Kyle Lowry. He was rumored in some talks, and it even told the media he was worried that he was probably going to get traded. So the Raptors, after the trade deadline, the dust settles. They've got a couple things they need to fix that relationship with Lowry. You know they still got to convince Kyle, Kawhi Leonard to stay. How does Mark Gasol fit? Is he okay coming off the bench? Or do you want to have someone else off the bench? And are they okay with that? Um, currently, they're the, the two seed in the in the East, and they've got a three-and-a-half game lead over the third-place Pacers. So I'm not worried that they'll drop right away. I mean, they're still a really great team, and they added a lot of talent. It'll just be a while before I feel like I, I see them as contenders in the East again, just because I need to see how... Gasol fits with all of them and I think they'll get there just right now of all the teams that made trades I think the Raptors probably set themselves back but also raised their ceiling for the playoffs probably more than anyone maybe the 76ers but we'll get to them in a second uh, Boston and Indiana didn't really make any major moves um, they moved some pieces around really but nothing out of their core both uh, look to be in the buyout market especially the the Pacers for a wing to help replace Victor Oladipo and and Boston has been rumored to be interested in Ennis Cantor coming off the bench as their as their five um, both those teams right now still doing solid especially Indiana with Oladipo gone won their last four um, I think both those teams if they get a buyout contract and bring in another role player you know could set themselves up nicely to try to jockey for position for the playoffs and then make a run um, Indiana, I don't see any moves that they made. 
especially with the Oladipo injury, I don't see them winning the Eastern Conference. I think they'll do well the rest of the year, though, just because that's their mentality is, you know, next man up. But without that talent in Oladipo, I think it'll be tough for them to, to make that deep run. Uh, Boston, though, however, went to the conference finals last year, took it to seven games, and Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving were both injured. They're back now, adding in his canter, especially with Brad Stevens and how well he's coached that team. I know they're 35 and 20 right now, but that's a lot of figuring out roles and everything too. Um, I think Boston will probably be, well, that's tough, but I, I think Boston has a legit shot at, at making it in the East. I think come playoff time, they're, they're pieces that they all have, especially if they bring in another one. Uh, they'll be fit, know where they stand, and um, the talent there is just incredible. It's just trying to make it all fit has pretty much been the story of the season. Philadelphia 76ers have been a trade machine all year. If you follow the NBA, you've known that Jimmy Butler moved early on in the season to the 76ers. Uh, from Minnesota, they traded Robert Covington away and Dario Saric. They just added Tobias Harris. And I'll tell you why this is so great for the 76ers. Simmons and Butler both need the ball. Both need the ball quite a bit. Um, Tobias Harris doesn't need the ball that much. He's a team player, works hard. He also is an all-star snub on a contract year. You know, never really been anywhere where there's a ton of winners, although he has helped... The Clippers be currently the eighth seed in the West, which speaks enough for itself right there. Adding him makes the Sixers so much more dangerous because last year when the Celtics played the 76ers, the big thing that the Celtics did is they just dared Ben Simmons to, to shoot. They sat back off everyone, said, you know, we'll be in help if Simmons tries to drive, but other than that, let's make him shoot. And he can't do that very well, especially from deep, the farther out he gets. Um, so adding Harris and Butler improved their shooting, helped make some more shot creators, guys who can play uh, both sides of the floor. I think come the playoffs, although I don't have the 76ers in the Eastern Conference Finals, I do think that their shot and their claim to be there increased that much more. I'm just worried about how young they are and inexperienced. Um, and some of the chemistry issues that Jimmy Brothers brought with them and adding Tobias Harris. Um, but I think I had, you know, Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston as my teams. Those three all having a real shot for the Eastern Conference. I think now you have to make up four teams with the moves that, that Philadelphia has made. You have to consider them for the Eastern Conference Finals. Another big team or big trades that I've made is the Washington Wizards got rid of Otto Porter, sending him to Chicago for Jabari Parker and for Bobby Portis. Um, if you're the Wizards, Bob, Otto Porter's contract was pretty big. He's a good complement to the team. I'd rather have him than Bobby Portis or Jabari Parker. But again, that contract is huge. Um, whereas Bobby Portis and Jabari Parker... Both will come off the books a lot sooner than he will. Um, only thing I don't like about this trade is just that they're only three three games back in the East. You know, they still had a legit shot at making the playoffs, even though it would have been the eighth seed or the seventh seed in the East. I like to always see teams trying to make the playoffs rather than, you know, counting themselves out about the trade deadline. 
Only other team that really made a huge move is the New York Knicks. If you saw, they traded Kristaps Porzingis to the Dallas Mavericks for Dennis Smith Jr. Both of those players weren't currently happy with their situation on their teams, wanted out, so they traded them. Um, they also brought on DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews. Rumors are they could get bought out, but so far nothing's happened. Um, it's, the Knicks are 10 wins, 44 losses. They're not making the playoffs, but it'll be interesting to see how the rest of their future is now that they've opened up all this cap space and added a hopefully cornerstone franchise point guard to their team. Now, the Western Conference had some trades as well. We've gone over a couple of them. L.A. trading Tobias Harris. You know, Dallas Mavericks entering Dennis Smith Jr. And Memphis with Marcus Saul. But a lot of the teams that are in the playoff hunt right now didn't make very many, if any, moves, uh, which was a little disappointing going forward just because the way that the West looks right now is probably going to stay about the same as far as uh, standings one through eight come the playoff times. Although the Clippers, my guess is, will probably drop out with losing Tobias Harris, uh, and that'll open up the way for either the Kings or the Lakers to to take over that final spot in the West. One thing that was interesting though is Anthony Davis never got moved from New Orleans. They plan on playing him the rest of the season. For me, I thought that Anthony Davis needed to get moved. I think that. The Pelicans should have waited all the way until the trade deadline. That way, teams started getting desperate. We're willing to throw out a little bit more to get uh, the Pelicans' big man over to their team. Um, but then, after the trade deadline, the reason I think it was so necessary is because from here on, the longer they have Anthony Davis, the less he's worth. He's on for the rest of this season and next. After that, he's an unrestricted free agent. He can go wherever he wants. And so, a little bit different than the Paul George situation, the Kawhi Leonard situation, uh, more along the lines of the Kyrie Irving, Irving situation where you have him for multiple years, you get to sell him on your team and the city and the vision that you have going forward instead of just one year trying to convince him. But now that's all that they have. You have one year to convince Anthony Davis to stick around. And Anthony Davis, I know he said he wants a trade, but he's actually not a, he's a pretty loyal guy. Earlier in his career, he said he wanted to build a championship team in New Orleans, that he wanted to stay there. Pelicans obviously haven't been able to deliver. They have made moves to try to do that, you know, trading for DeMarcus Cousins, but he left. Resigning Drew Holiday, who I think is a great point guard, but you need more than just Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis uh, to make a winner. So if I'm New Orleans, especially the owner and the, and the team going forward, and a fan really, is just be a little bit disappointed that Anthony Davis didn't get moved because I feel like this offseason he probably will get moved, but it won't be for as much as the Lakers were willing to offer, you know, throwing in Lonzo Ball, Kai Kuzma, uh, Brandon Ingram, two first-round picks, uh, I mean, and a, a whole another handful of players, especially a lot of players that would have come off the books after the season. You know, creating cap space and, and openings there. The other moves that I wanted to talk about in the West uh, was the Dallas Mavericks. 
getting Kristaps Porzingis. I doesn't really change how the rest of the season is. In fact, it probably hurts him more than helps him losing Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan. Um, but if Kristaps comes back how he was, Dallas should be a playoff contender next year. The duo of Porzingis and Luka Doncic, especially with some of the pieces that are currently around, is is great. I think that will be. A, I think they put two franchise players right next to each other in Dallas. They did, however, trade Harrison Barnes to the Kings, Sacramento, and this is what I love. And I talked a little bit about this earlier over in the East. How, or I mean, with in the West with the Clippers wanting to move Tobias Harris away, even though they're in the eighth seed right now. The Kings did the opposite. They bought in. They traded uh, Zach Randolph who hasn't played a game this season, Justin Jackson coming off the bench for a guy in Harrison Barnes with experience. He's won a championship with the Warriors, who I think will really help them, especially since he can play the three or the four to help the Sacramento team make this playoff push. They only have a game on the Lakers, but the Lakers also have their own drama going on and chemistry they need to figure out. So adding Harrison Barnes, I think you'd say... The Kings probably shouldn't make it. The Lakers will. But now with the Harrison Barnes, with the Kings, Lakers, with all their drama, I think it will come down a lot closer than we think, especially since, I mean, we've already played uh, 55 games of the season. There's only, you know, there's only a handful of games left, and every game counts. And, you know, the Clippers are falling out. That spot's going to open up. Who wants it? I don't know. Everybody does. But who gets it, I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how those trades and moves from the teams at the 8, 9, 10, 11 spots, 13 if you count the Pelicans, will affect the end, end of the playoff hunt and start a next season going forward. This will do it for the NBA trade deadline edition of Fan Center. Let us know what you think, what teams will do better than we thought, what teams will do worse than we thought. We'll put it on social media. It'll be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It'll be at fan underscore center underscore. Let us know what you think of our analysis of the NBA trades and how it'll affect the rest of the season. Thanks for tuning in. Fan Center.